At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hello, this is Adam Janowski from New York City. Hi, I'm Ridley from Batavia, New York. This is Allie. I eat eggs for dinner way more often than I would like to admit. Hi, my name is Jonah and I'm calling into Burnt Toast because I believe that every meal should end with a dessert. And Amanda, I know you believe the same thing. Hi, and welcome to Burnt Toast from Food52.com, a podcast about what we all talk about around the stove, at the water cooler, in the office. It's what doesn't make it on the website, but what we're all talking about otherwise. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, Managing Editor of Food52, and I'm here with Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs, co-founders of our company and also my bosses. Hi, guys. Hi, Kenzie. Hey. And today we're going to try something a little bit different. We constantly get asked about meal planning in our comment sections, on the hotline, in person. So we thought we'd dedicate a whole episode to answering your questions on the subject. Everyone wants to know how to cook a little smarter during the week, uh, myself included. So we challenged our staff and community to stump us. Today we're going to see if that happened. But before we start, I wanted to ask you a question of my own that I have, because I carry around a lot of guilt about the food that I waste all the time. You know, those like cartons of buttermilk that go unused in the fridge or that can of coconut milk that I open and then never finish. Um, and I wanted to know if you had a similar confessional. So what is in the graveyard of your fridge? Oh, man, cheese nubs. <laughs> I try and eat them. I do. Amanda knows this. I, I try and I, I love cheese. So I always tempted to buy more cheese than any human could possibly ever consume. <laughs> and I, I think I do a pretty good job, but I'm always left with, like, it's usually the softer cheeses that don't last as long. The harder ones, I can always kind of, like, you know, grate them into a soup or something like that. But it's the soft ones that really, like, they start to get a little sticky and slimy. Ooh. And that's when even I can't bear to kind of suck it up. See, cheese nubs I consider like a veritable ingredient. Like I'm like, oh, I have cheese nubs on hand. But I'm talking about the slimy cheese nubs. The slimy ones. Yeah. They're useful cheese nubs and then they're (laughs) not so useful ones. (laughs) Amanda, do you have any? I do. It's a cucumber. Oh, Oh, good one. (laughs) They always end up rotting before I use them. It's the slimy again. It is. And I just like, I, I have such optimism when I buy them and I have all of these salads and like little, (laughs) I'm going to make cucumber drinks and everything's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to feel very pure. (laughs) (laughs) And then I open the refrigerator and I cruise right by the cucumber and go right to the Something cheese sexier. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese nuts. See, I feel like I would lose a lot of stuff in your fridge. I have a smaller fridge because I have a tiny, tiny apartment and a tiny, tiny fridge to match it. And I feel like it really helps me like cycle stuff out. I actually have a lot of guilt about my condiments. Do you do you feel the same way? Like I feel like there are condiments back there, probably even homemade ones, and I that may not be labeled perfectly. And I I'm sort of like I don't even want to go there, so I just don't. Yeah, I, I feel like, yes, I have this whole, yes, like, section of condiments that just gets completely... Overlooked. Uh, like, ignored yeah. and neglected, and they're 
very sad and they huddle together and mm-hmm. um score and me when I open probably the really fridge. good, right? Yeah, they're yeah. perfectly yes. They've but, done nothing. They've done <laughs> nothing wrong. Treatment. <laughs> but my question is why guilt? Like condiments I think are introverts. Expensive. They want to sit back there. But they're not gonna go bad. No, but a, I mean they a lot sort of, of them. do. You know what? It's not that they go bad. I find that a lot of them go dark. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. When your condiments like go Like horseradish. <laughs> I had all of these yes, great exactly. horseradishes. And then, and then they get that like dark layer on the uh-huh. top. And then you're like, I've lost. <laughs> I've lost this battle. <laughs> I've lost this battle. Condiments and I'm a bad person. Amanda, zero. <laughs> Do you have any stories about like in a moment of desperation, scraping off that dark layer oh, and just yeah. using what's oh, underneath? Yes. Mm-hmm. Many stories. But also like that's okay, right? Like... Are we, are okay, we I scraped gonna... mold off a of yogurt last night and ate and ate it. Sorry, I'm just gonna narrow <laughs> it. I there. see. I call that a pro- probiotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right? what my mom It's all in say. there anyway. Okay, good. I feel much better. So that's a good segue into talking about uh, just avoiding food waste. So should we should we listen to our first our first call? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's Very do curious. it. Okay. Hello, this is Adam Janowski from New York City. Whenever I make a recipe with parsley or basil, I always have a bunch of it left over. So my question is, what to do with leftover herbs? I feel like this is a classic leftover question. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, because you get so much when you buy a bunch of herbs yeah. and very few recipes call for the whole thing. Exactly. And then I mean I, I do a really lazy thing with my herbs where um I wash them and then I grab the whole thing with, with like my, my fist and then I just like shave off the top. That's and, pretty impressive. I just, like, grab it off the top with my oh, fist. Oh, okay. I don't even bother with a knife. But either way, it's sort of just, like, animalistic. Like, right. you take what it's you need, of you throw the rest pillaged. in the, You've yeah, pillaged your herbs. Are you talking about, like, parsley? Or are you talking yeah. about, like, parsley oh. or cilantro? If you have parsley, basil, or cilantro, I use them as the base for a green sauce. And then I just basically put all of my herbs and You know, if there's a little thyme, I throw that in there. And so you blend it up with, you know, olive oil, a little chili, some capers, an anchovy, and then it's essentially your your leftover herbs are preserved in oil for you know it, it'll last like a week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I think pesto is sort of the classic answer. I tend to veer away from more traditional pesto towards like either throwing in some greens, you know, like arugula or spinach or something, or going more towards like a chimichurri mm-hmm. and adding some acid, which you know. If you throw some vinegar or lemon juice in there, it's not going to be as it's not going to be green for as long. Yeah. But it's, I think, delicious. Well, sometimes what I'll do is I'll blend it and then like add the acid as I'm using the sauce. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so it stays vibrant, oh, and then I'm totally going to do that. That's pretty smart. Okay, do you guys ever blanch? Do you bother to blanch your oh, herbs? God, to no. Oh God, never. I think that's a myth. I think I it is too. I feel like too. people who say that they do that are Yeah, lying. I feel like that's a total that's a total basil pesto myth too. Yeah. That it's, it stays green and vibrant if you do that. Yeah, I think it's wasted effort. I, I, yeah, and I, like wasted dishes mm-hmm. and wasted – it just don't do that. Yeah, don't and you lose that. the texture. Get those five minutes of your yeah. life back. Um, I mean that's the whole idea of using your leftovers in a creative way, right? Because if you have – like steak and green sauce, which is, Amanda, one of your like back pocket dinners mm-hmm. for dinner one night. Then the next day you can sort of like eat that on a sandwich with green sauce. Do you guys have any tips for sort of like, you know, reimagining your leftovers and not just eating them day in and day out? Because that's effective from a financial perspective, but it's super boring. And how do you not get sick of that? I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. I, my, I feel like I learned some great things from my mother. She was really good at this. And in particular, I think my favorite example of a brilliant use of leftovers that she used to to do all the time was 
for leftover roast chicken, which I think I imagine all of us are always kind of looking for ways to use leftover roast chicken. Mm-hmm. I often will cook one on a Sunday night and then sort of make it last throughout the week. I suspect a lot of other people do something similar. I feel like similar. that's the hallmark meal stretching thing. Yeah, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> yeah. <Chicken laughs> it kind of is, right? Yeah. yeah. So my mom would do this great, she'd make this great salad where she'd shred up, you know, the leftover roast chicken. And then she made a warm salad dressing. So she would heat olive oil in a pan, like in a frying pan, and add vinegar and very simple vinaigrette and she would salt and pepper and she would just heat it up and then toss the chicken pieces in that and and rewarm them in that vinaigrette. Oh, and she also sorry, she also put potatoes in there. First she fried slices of potatoes and then she made the vinaigrette sort of in with the potatoes and then threw in the chicken, tossed it all together and then served it all warm over a bed of lettuce. So the the lettuce got a little bit wilty with the warm vinaigrette and the and the warm chicken and potatoes and it's just I don't know, it's I delicious. I love that sa- that salad that is on the site. It um, is. And I and love it so in our much. Upcoming book too. <laughs> if we ever get a book contract, <laughs> hello, we're waiting. <laughs> you're you're literally writing the book on the subject. We of are, yeah. Amanda and I are writing a book about this very topic, which is cooking ahead for the week and and how to be thoughtful and creative with your mm-hmm. leftovers and and sort of using different things in different ways together. Mm-hmm. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. I went through this whole kind of like low period in my cooking about a year and a half ago where I realized that on, I was just co- – I was like roasting everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to roast some chicken. I'm going to roast some potatoes. I'm going to roast butternut squash. I'm going to roast – and like we were just eating roasted food in other <laughs> – in like various combinations. <laughs> With no and, sauces or textures. or. And I became yeah. really depressed about cooking. Mm-hmm. And like I was – I couldn't figure out like what the problem was and then – it occurred to me that I just had become like I was just in production mode, you know, yeah. young kids and it was busy and and we were eating totally healthy food, but I was bored to death. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and and actually I got I kind of climbed out of this low point by going back to recipes and getting like inspiration from other people and just honestly cooking from the site and all the time. And so what happened was like now I've cooked so many recipes from the site and I have sort of like go-to things that, you know, I found that like work and there are ideas in them that I wouldn't have come up with. And (laughs) over time you find that these ideas kind of build and layer into your cooking. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of, of go, of, returning to recipes when you're sort of cooking on autopilot for a while and how it sort of jump starts you. If anybody knows me, that they know that I make scrambled egg tacos. Like, it's my job. Like, all the time. <laughs> I didn't Yum. know that about you, and I feel like I know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. Now you know. And now we have just bonded. Yes. And they're great, but I start to get a little sad when I eat them, like, mm. three, four, five times a week. Um, <laughs> because they're also snack, they're breakfast, they're right. lunch, they're dinner, they're everything. Mm-hmm. So I have to... It becomes an internal like dialogue like make yourself a real meal Kenzie like go try something new mm-hmm. um, and I'm really happy when I do so that's actually a great way to go into Kristen's question on 
my new scrambled eggs for dinner. Let's let's listen to her question. I eat eggs for dinner way more often than I would like to admit. So I need something that will be my new eggs for dinner, preferably something that will be super fast to cook and I can keep the ingredients on hand forever. And they're always there for me. Thank you. So Kristen and I share the same problem. We eat eggs for, I mean, they're so easy. Yeah. Making scrambled eggs, throwing them in a tortilla or not on toast is, is super easy and takes about five minutes, but it's also really boring when you do it for the fifth time that week. So are there any things that you cook that have, very few ingredients that you can kind of throw together with your eyes closed after you walk in the door. There are two things I eat all the time. One of them is my my egg equivalent. I mean, I have eggs too, but any any kind of toast, ricotta, and something else combination. So I always have ricotta on hand. I always have bread on hand. And then usually there's something else to layer on top. So, you know, maybe it's wilted greens or maybe it's, you know, meat sauce even or, or something, some other kind of vegetable that can just be piled on top and basically make like a three-layer open-faced tartine for myself. But the other thing I do, and this does require having something on hand that I'm guessing Kristen usually has something like this on hand. I, I bake a sweet potato and then cut it open, sort of mush it up a little bit, like, you know, with a fork, get it scraped up and sort of fluffy and drizzle some olive oil over it and salt and pepper. And then I top it with pasta sauce. So you kind of get, because sweet potatoes, I love sweet potatoes, but I don't like them with more sweet on them. I like them, the, the sweetness to be balanced with something savory mm-hmm. and you know, acidic, ideally. Mm-hmm. So I find that a tomato-based pasta sauce, whether it has meat or doesn't, is a really nice foil for the sweet potato. It's like a, I just love the contrast. Usually, usually my pasta sauce has some kind of meat in it. So like my ideal combination would probably be some sort of sausage ragu or something on a baked sweet potato. And then you could put an egg on it too. <laughs> I would eat that. Yeah. I would eat that. Amanda, do you have any back pocket, super fast weeknight dinners? Well, I feel like mine's less fun. Um, really? <laughs> See, but I don't feel mine are fun because I do them all the time. So I think we all feel You're that like, way. Well, right? switch. Yeah. Mine, well, We're going to rotate. Uh, mine tends to be like salad because we always have some kind of good dressing around. Like salad with avocado. Yeah. Sometimes avocado with, if we have in the winter, I'll do oranges and, you know. That sounds totally fun. That's definitely it's wild. Fun. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a wild Wednesday nights with citrus salads. <laughs> it's a good time. I have to ask a quick question of you guys. I feel like, does anyone feel they've gotten to the point with avocado toast where they feel, find it sort of boring? Oh, yeah. Even though you love it? Yeah. It kind real- of, I love it still, but it depresses me to eat it because I feel like I'm so predictable. It's a little bit of a security blanket. Like, I know it'll be there for me, but I feel like, or I don't know, maybe that's the wrong, maybe that's the wrong analogy. What is it like? Like a really comfortable pair of underwear, but really like... With some holes. Right, but you should be going for the sexy ones. But you yes. know that those ones are going to be comfortable and There around. was a story in the New York Times recently about how women are getting back to comfy underwear. So yeah, maybe <laughs> we should just, we should we should just embrace, embrace the avocado toast. I never, and I just stay comfy underwear. <laughs> Just sit in our comfy underwear, eat our avocado toast. (laughs) I want to make sure that we get to dessert. Oh, Um, of course. We have a really great question about meal planning and how it relates to dessert. I I feel like a lot of people think of 
maybe lunches and definitely dinners when they think of meal planning strategy. Like, let's make sure we have all these hearty grains and greens and stuff. But like, we need dessert during the week, too. Mm -hmm. So let's answer Jonah's question. Hi, my name is Jonah, and I'm calling into Burnt Toast because I believe that every meal should end with a dessert. And Amanda, I know you believe the same thing. So aside from baking basics like flour and sugar, what ingredients do you suggest stocking up on to prepare for a full week of dessert? Other than flour and sugar, stock up on salted butter, Mm -hmm. eggs. Chocolate, perhaps? Chocolate, yes. I feel like fruit makes for really easy, fast desserts. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, uh, yes, exactly. I've been buying rhubarb like nobody's business. Making basically, I've been making, actually the dessert I've been making for the week, I would say for the past month, is basically a play on Marion Bull's blueberry schlump, which I make with rhubarb, but I've like messed around with the toppings. Like I've added quinoa to the top. It's basically a, a very uh, big, flat crumble. Mm-hmm. So you get a thin thin layer of fruit and then a thin layer of topping, and the topping gets really crunchy and delicious. And her version is like a bu- sort of butter, f- sugar, flour, mm-hmm. kind of classic. I've added quinoa. Last week I added coconut, mm, um, nice. like unsweetened coconut flakes and a little quinoa and a little oats. Not too much, though, because then it, otherwise it make, takes me back to the 70s. Not in a good way. And, Don't uh, go there with your desserts. And it was great because you just, like, chop up the fruit, mix it with the—oh, uh, and I added a little almond extract to the, the fruit, and then you put on the t- this topping. It takes, like, 10 minutes to assemble, and then, it, you know, you bake it in this big baking dish, and the kids just spoon it out. Yum. But you also—you're also a fan of the everyday cake. Yeah. Um, yes. I like this about you a lot, and I, I haven't been able to yet ad- adapt I'm that. glad you found like a you scrap. <laughs> it's one of the only things I like about you. <laughs> Please don't fire me. Um, uh, but you you like will make a cake on a Sunday or a weekend, and, and you choose a recipe that will sort of get better and better and last the entire week. Do you have any—I mean, your almond cake actually works really well for this. Nut cakes do really well. Sort of like— like white cakes don't. Right. They don't they're, last. They're done. Yeah. yeah. No yeah, wedding so, cakes for the week. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a big butter cake okay. kick because those those last. But I really um, had trouble actually finding a great recipe. There was one on Bon Appetit that was um, terrific that had um, uh, apples in it. The chocolate cakes, they, they, they can last. Like I love the Nigella Lawson mm. um, chocolate loaf cake. Mm-hmm. So squidgy. The, yeah, that's a great one. And that's the kind of one where you're going to want to make two. <laughs> <laughs> Just warning you. But <laughs> cakes are a great weekend thing that to, and to to bake on a Sunday. I would bake that on Sunday and half for the week because, well, you, you know, you mix everything in basically one bowl, put it in a pan, and then it's essentially done. You know, cookies with the bat- their batches are so annoying. I don't recommend doing those for the week. And also because cookies, <laughs> they have a way of like, disappearing by Tuesday. It's true. <laughs> it's just like, so people, easy to take more. Yeah, you kind of like, because people are like, oh, I'm just walking through the kitchen. I'm going to grab a cookie. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like a slice of cake, people don't just like, you know, swipe a slice of cake. And put, yeah, and, and or like take it to work, for instance. Yeah. Right? For, yeah, yeah. for me, that's sort of the the hallmark of, like, uh, adulthood. Like, if there's a platter of something, like, there's some a platter of, like, confection, yes. like a platter of cookies or cake just sitting out in the kitchen, like, you, like <laughs> you've made grown it. Up. Yeah, you've made it. I'm clearly not there yet, but I, I have I aspirations. One other type of cake, though, that I think lasts really well, it's the wrong season for it, but I make it a oh. lot in the fall, is applesauce cake. Because that really oh, that is such a great recipe that stays stays good or just just any old applesauce cake I do I have a recipe on the site that I make a lot but I I think 
just anything with applesauce, it keeps it and makes sure it's, you know, it's not going to get dry. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like to do, Amanda, this is going to go against your, your cookie stance, but I do like to make meringues because I often have leftover egg whites. And so it's a way to use those up. And I also think they're easier. You don't have to do batches usually. You just kind of like whip up two or three egg whites and then you I just cover three pans and put them all in the oven at the same time. Mm-hmm. You need oven time, which is the only challenge. But then what I love about them is you can either have sort of have them as cookies and maybe put chocolate chips in them or almonds or something. You can also use them. You can then repurpose them for other desserts. Like right now, I feel like this is a bit of a cliche. Everyone's talking about it, but I keep making Eaton Mess, which I love. And if if you don't know it, it's basically just crumbled meringue with folded in with whipped cream and fresh fruit. Traditionally, strawberries and raspberries are used, but you can really use any kind of juicy fresh fruit. I sounded so stingy around my my cookies, my, <laughs> my cooking theory, and you make but, cookies too. I know that, but I do, and I like I do actually like making bar cookies. That's mm-hmm. sort of like a new a new thing because you know you can kind of you can keep them in the pan. Is there right. just something about cakes though? You feel you feel proud of your cake. Yeah, I know, you know? it's an accomplishment, and it does sit on the counter. And you yeah. put it on a cake plate. It's a, it's a it, week, and you baked a cake just because. Yeah, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, it's definitely something to be proud of. The last the last question is about grocery runs and, and pantry. It's sort of like going back to step one. We've talked about a lot of things to make, but I think the first step is in making sure that you have stuff always on hand, aside from the condiment graveyard in your fridge or the green sauce <laughs> that you may have made. So let's listen to Leslie's question. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I'm calling because my question about meal planning is that every time I'm at the grocery store on Sunday trying to plan my meals for the week, I have a hard time visualizing what I should buy to get the most out of my big grocery run. So what do you buy to stretch into meals until the next big grocery run? You mean hmm. like primary ingredients? or I think the, the way I interpret this question is like grains, grains, mm-hmm. beans. Basic staples. Yeah, that but are then gonna... but then also like I don't want to forget about the like ancho like always have a tin of anchovies. That's something that I always make sure that I have like capers or anchovies or something that won't go bad but that will change the flavor of my food in mm-hmm. a in a sort of not menial way. I think citrus is important for me at least. I always, whenever I'm getting groceries and I know that I'm running low. I always make sure to stock up on lemons and limes and usually some sort of orange situation, too, Yeah, if the season is right. Because, you know, you can not only use the fruit, but you can you can just use the zest. You can just use the juice. You can kind of use all parts of it for different purposes. I often have... I bet you do too, like a bald lemon sitting in the in the fridge because I've only <laughs> used the zest and then I'm just waiting for use for this juice, which always, you know, appears. There's always there's always some reason to use lemon or lime. Totally. Totally agree with that. Always have onions. I always just buy mm-hmm. onions. Yeah. I sort of obsessively. Yeah. <laughs> and carrots. You can never like, have too many onions. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of the Marcella sauce that, you know, I'm always like, just in case. Yep. We always have palmy tomatoes mm-hmm. and yellow onions. Um, but in terms of like real flavor elements, I I think I always have garlic and and you know I keep that in the fridge and always have several heads just in case, mm-hmm. and then capers, anchovies, ground chili pepper or like you know chili flakes and obviously good salt, good olive oil, good mustard, good, good yeah. olive oil. I always yeah, have mustard. mustard, maple syrup, mm. a couple grains like farro, barley, a few different rices. I mean that's more sort of stocking your pantry, but. 
I find I kind of forget about onions, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Really? Because there, are very, so there are very few things that can't be improved by just throwing, throwing half an of onion. an onion in there. Mm-hmm. And many things start that way, too. That's right. the start of I always, I actually, along those lines, I tend to always have celery and carrots as well. Oh, I've gone against celery. Really? Yeah, I don't put it into my sauces or anything. I don't always, but I, but I often, I put it in stock always. What yeah. did it do to offend you? <laughs> It's like that metallic yeah, flavor there's a, yeah, I don't, that I don't like. But even though I, I, I like, I mean, I like eating raw celery. Oh, you do? I'm totally I just, the opposite. I like cooked and not raw. That's interesting. That's why we're partners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the yin to your celery yang. Do you ever cook things entirely ahead or in in parts and put them in the freezer to pull yeah. out later? Yeah, I often, I actually have a baked pasta that I make a lot with... Typically sausage, like a sausage meat sauce that, that sort of gets folded into it with a little, usually with a little bit of cream or creme fraiche, so it's sort of like a pink pink sausage sauce. And I always make two containers, two batches of it, and put one, usually in one of those like tin, tin foil, you know, oven-ready containers so that I can just put it from the freezer directly into the oven. I just, I can never, it never makes sense to just make one. Mm. I always want more of it later. My last question is, do you have any – Do you, I mean, I have a freezer graveyard, I think, worse than I have a fridge graveyard. Mm-hmm. Do you have any stories of unearthing something from a very, very long time ago? I found just the other day one partially wrapped short rib <laughs> in the very – ba- and, and I remember when it came from, and it was a photo shoot, like – at least a year ago. Oh, a year? Pfft, that's not. But 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 like he was so he was both sad and like naked. Yeah. So like he ta- definitely yeah. tasted like freezer at that point. I feel like bad he for went him, but I don't feel that. I don't definitely don't judge you for something that was only around for a year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like maybe I shouldn't go there. Now that you've said set the, a year as the bar. No, I want to. <laughs> I want to be bested. Well, we actually have a chest freezer in our basement as well as the freezer. Oh, part those of are our, dangerous. They are really dangerous. <laughs> They're wonderful, but dangerous. I, you know what I tend to find more often that is in a really sorry state? And I think it's just because they, they just don't keep as long and it's hard to get all the air out and really kind of protect them is, is baked goods so, or dough. I tend to do things like, so if I'm ever in Boston, I have to go to Flower Bakery where I used to work and just have always loved everything they make. And and they make this amazing multigrain bread. They also make rolls, which are my favorite. And it's just, it's perfect. And I can never make their recipe properly myself. So I always buy a whole bunch and then I freeze a lot of them. And inevitably, I forget at a certain point that I have them there and and then I find them later and, and fro- like freezer burned bread is so sad because mm-hmm. you see it's sort of you can see where the the freezer burn has just like it's just eating away at it like a virus it's literally frostbitten you, know? yeah, you have to is. amputate like, yeah and no... it's so dry and you, it's <laughs> yeah. just oh it makes so, me so sad. sad and, and I, I also feel even more sad if it's something like that because it's such, such a, something I love so much and you know made a special trip to get it and I know I can't get it again anytime soon mm-hmm. and then I've just killed it mm-hmm. oh R.I.P. So bread <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's one of my favorite things to put in the freezer bread like yeah. reconstituting bread Remember, it's great. It's one of my favorite things. So I have to admit a freezer fear, which is like, 
I I liked I, I like to put things in my freezer. I make stocks and I like stack them up. And then I when I go to use them, I always I get convinced that they have freezer burn and that I won't discover until the dish is like oh, made. Oh, yeah, be ruined. I have this kind of like anxiousness about my freezer. Hmm. About things that are in there for long term, yeah. like I don't trust that yeah. they're okay. I'm glad we, I'm glad we had that airing out of <laughs> anxiety. So that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter address is at Food52, and you can email us at editors at food52.com. If you like the show, tell everyone you know and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you have any meal planning tips to share with us, we'd love to hear them. Tweet at us and hashtag your tweet with F52Podcast, and we'll share our favorites. For Meryl Stubbs and Amanda Hesser, I'm Kenzie Wilbur. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.